Honored to welcome Marianne Williamson, who is a best-selling author, political activist, and a spiritual thought leader. For over three decades, she has been uh, a leader in spiritual and religiously progressive circles, an author of 15 books, four of which reached number one on the New York Times bestseller lists. Uh, Williamson, of course, ran for the Democratic nomination for president in 2020, and she's doing it again. Uh, Marianne Williamson, is it all right if I call you Marianne? Yeah, of course. Okay, good. Uh, you obviously have major disagreements with Joe Biden. You wouldn't be challenging him for the Democratic nomination if you didn't. If you won the presidency, what's the one immediate difference from the Biden leadership that people would notice? Well, they would see that on day one, I canceled the Willow Project. I would be starting immediately to declare a climate emergency and to begin a mass mobilization to transfer from a dirty economy to a clean economy. We would start ramping down, rather than ramping up, fossil fuel extraction. I would uh, definitely be doing everything I possibly could to work on universal health care. We need a Medicare for all type plan. I would deschedule marijuana. Uh, from a Schedule One drug and uh, definitely work on releasing quite a few people from prison who shouldn't be there because they were there on marijuana offenses. I would be working on the, the idea of tuition-free college, which we used to have in this country at public colleges and universities until the 1970s. I would be seeking to establish... How, a how would we... How would we how, uh, Marianne, how would Pardon? you pay for the tuition-free colleges? Well, you know, first of all, when people go get a higher degree in education, they make more money. So we need to change our entire economic paradigm away from a zero-sum game and realize that there are aspects of wealth creation that should be part of a policy. We would actually save money in this country. There are as many economists who say that we would save money, for instance, if we have a universal health care plan rather than what we have right now. We spend more than any other advanced democracy and have the least good results. So what we want to do is recognize that when you're giving tens of billions of dollars in corporate subsidies to industries and corporations that are actually already making billions of dollars in profit, including some, for instance, the pharmaceutical companies, where we're actually paying them to help develop drugs that then they turn around and charge the American people for. You stop those corporate subsidies. You repeal the 2017 tax cut, which gave 83 cents of every dollar to the highest earners in corporations, although you put back in the middle class tax cut because that was a good idea. And you also look at the bloat in the defense, in the defense budget. There are even conservative voices in this country who say we could take 10 percent off that. I think we could take 20 percent off. Um, at this point, 60 Minutes is doing a better job than Congress on oversight, uh, having established the incredible price gouging that is being perpetrated at the Pentagon on behalf of our, of our defense industry. So there's so much money that the, that the government now spends that does little more than make it easier for those who already have to get more and make it harder for people uh, simply who are struggling to get by. And okay, I think to just when you ask me the to... major difference between myself and the president, I don't think that the Bidenomics, for instance, adequately acknowledges the level of, 
of economic, unsustainable economic stress and anxiety that is experienced at this point by the majority of Americans. Okay, uh, given the uh, stress and anxiety that the majority of Americans are experiencing and the negative assessment, 57% of uh, Americans disapprove of the job, according to the average of the polling that Joe Biden is doing, uh, would you um, uh, uh, speak out? Have you spoken out about some of the the ethical issues that are surrounding President Biden right now that Republicans are focusing on, uh, particularly involving his son Hunter and the very um, real possibility the president wasn't telling the truth when he said he'd never, ever talked about his son's business dealings with Russia or China. Does any of that concern you? Well, first of all, we do have a judicial system, and our judicial system must be independent of politics. We have an independent counsel, uh, obviously, Jack Smith, uh, with uh, uh, Donald Trump. We have an independent counsel. We have not heard uh, from Mr. Tur yet about anything regarding the president. And now there's an independent counsel uh, with Hunter Thompson. I mean, not Hunter Thompson, but Hunter Biden, excuse me, Hunter, Hunter Biden. And we do want to remember that Hunter is not his father. But at the same time, yes, there are allegations. They are out in the air, and that's why we have these independent, um, these independent uh, prosecutors. And we need to wait and see what they say, and hope you know we all have to be as Americans in support of the proper working of the U.S. judicial system. Those wheels are already turning uh, in regards to the to the former president, and we'll see what happens now with both Biden and his son. You made a, a big splash at the debates last time, and when you ran for president in 2020, and you were very effective on television, it does not appear that uh, President Biden is going to agree to any debates with you or with Mr. Kennedy. Uh, what uh, What's going to be different about your campaign this time to the campaign you ran in 2020? Well, the obfuscation that the system... Um, practices in terms of any candidate that doesn't align with the predetermined conversation that the elite establishment has dictated um, is very real. Uh, and I'm encountering that uh, this time even more viciously than last time, because last time it was enough to just mock me and deride me and tease me and misrepresent my career. Now, I'm, I'm seeing from the belly of that beast just how, how the system operates. For instance, last time I had a, um, a CNN town hall. Right now, um, I'm not being invited on CNN. I'm not being invited on MSNBC even though there are Republican candidates who are polling much less than I, who are on Meet the Press, who are getting their town halls, et cetera. But I think that the DNC and the Biden administration um, can't, I'm sure that they are noticing that the majority of Democrats and Democratic-leading uh, leaning voters are saying that they want to see debates. And the president's rating, you know, is, is, is not, approval rating is not high. So there's a lot of rumbling already. American people can see that this is unfair. Uh, this is undemocratic to uh, not have the president debate his opponents. Um, uh, we'll see what happens over the next uh, uh, two or three months. But I, I, I don't see how they're going to just continue um, willing their way through this 
uh, primary campaign season the way they are now. It's wrong, and people are seeing it. Okay. Uh, given uh, the fact uh, that it's wrong, there's um, questions people have raised the possibility that Kamala Harris, who polls badly, very badly, uh, m may need to be replaced as the running mate for Joe Biden. If that were proffered to you, would you be interested? Uh, we can to be honest, get... Michael, I sort of can't imagine a universe in which that were to occur. Um, <laughs> well, could so, you imagine a universe in which we have a, a Republican front runner with four like indictments? Saying, you know, if a UFO lands on the a UFO lands on the lawn, you know, would you would you take the ride? You know, I, I don't I, I I don't really see that scenario happening. Uh, go to her website, which is Marianne. It's two M A R I A N N E two N's twenty twenty four dot com. Uh, we've also posted that information about her website on our site at michaelmedved.com. I just asked you uh, the question, Marianne. You're very critical of President Biden. I know you believe that we are on the verge of a needed political realignment. Uh, do you anticipate that if you fall short of winning the nomination, that you're going to go ahead and uh, endorse President Biden and work for him? I'm running on the assumption that I can win. And I think that when you are, you know, somebody said to me something very interesting. Someone said that the most successful um, tightrope walkers are people who do not have a net. And I really understood what psycholog the psychological significance of that fact. That when you're on a tightrope, you cannot allow yourself to indulge a moment of considering that you might fall. I can't do what I need to do on this, on this campaign, even considering the possibility that we're doing anything other than winning. And I think every winning candidate does that, and some who don't win. That's you, you have to have that level of seriousness. So that's where I am. I, I, believe, I, I think it's significant. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I, I just going to say, I posed another question to you, which, which is there are a dozen candidates on the other side. Have any of them struck you as particularly interesting, promising, worthy? Anything uh, good that you have to say about any of the Republicans who are running for president right now? Well, one of them is someone I consider a friend. I like him a lot as a person. I totally disagree with his politics, but I like him, and, and that's Vivek Ramaswamy. And yeah, Vivek and, Ramaswamy and somebody and you've known for a while, one I another. Pardon? Someone you've known for a while. Well, no, no we actually were on the, um, the Bill Maher show together. I think it was about a year ago. And we just we communicated. We've seen each other a couple times. And, you know, I ran into him. Uh, at a hotel in South Carolina, because, you know, you see a lot of the candidates were all out there in the same states. And we had a little moment where we said, if we are the, the nominees, it will be a very healthy race for this country because we will honor one another, we like one another, and we will debate one another respectfully and honestly. It would be very healthy for this country if Vivek and I were the nominees. Well, he's we right now, according to the new uh, AP poll, he's running second to President Trump 
in uh, the Republican side of things. So that's that's an achievement already. Um, yeah. President President Biden is pushing a new alliance in the Middle East, which would bring together the Saudis and the Israelis and the United States and also try to make possible the establishment of an independent uh, Palestinian state. Uh, do you uh, support that diplomatic initiative? Well, if it were to, in fact, uh, make way for an independent Palestinian state, then I absolutely would. The issue of the uh, diplomatic efforts regarding uh, Saudi Arabia, Israel, and the United States and this landmark possibility the issue, of course, is the devil is in the details. I don't want something that increases military sales uh, to uh, Saudi Arabia, given that there are other human rights abuses that we're very concerned about, including Yemen. Um, and it would not be okay with me if, for instance, like the uh, Abraham Accords, it did leave out the Palestinians. But if it actually, in a serious way, helped pave the path for an independent Palestinian state, then I would be very, very interested in looking at that. We cannot have any more um, Israel, United States, Arab uh, agreements go on that in any way peripheralize or neglect the rights of the Palestinians. This issue has to be dealt with, and I think that should be part of any such agreements now and in the future. Uh, on the Ukraine, which is, uh, I know, been a big issue, you're... Uh, rival for the nomination, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. is a great critic of President Biden's uh, policy of aid to the Ukraine. Where where do you stand? Is it in the United States' national interest to uh, make sure that Putin's invasion is turned back? <clears throat> I, I, I don't know how any of us can be an apologist for Vladimir Putin at this time. And if you're against imperialism, then you have to be against imperialism if it's perpetrated by Russia as much as when it's perpetrated by us or anyone else. Um, I do not agree with the president's pretty much blank check perspective. I wouldn't go there. But absolutely, I'm far closer to Biden uh, and his insistence that we support the Ukrainians at this time. I think that the idea when someone like Bobby Kennedy says that we... If, if you support the Ukrainians, you're pro-war. <laughs> what does he think re withdrawing any support right now will do? It's not like there will be peace. What we, because Russia would just come in and, cr and crush the Ukrainians. We need to support, support a negotiated settlement. That's what was happening, interestingly enough, in Saudi Arabia uh, a couple of weeks ago. Forty nations were together. The United States was there. China was there. India was there. Brazil was there, which is very, very important. But I want to see a negotiated settlement in which, in which there is still a Ukraine. And um, I do not believe, as, as Bobby seems to do, that uh, Ukraine is simply a U.S. puppet, simply doing what the U.S. has said. I think that they are a sovereign nation and should remain so. And I think the United States should be should take a powerful stand against the invasion uh, of, a, of a sovereign nation, just as I was against the invasion of Iraq. Um, it's not okay. And the United States should not do it. And the United States should make sure that nobody else is able to do it either. Okay, amen to that. Uh, last question. Uh, in Seattle, where I live, and across the country, uh, there's a tremendous problem of homelessness. 
Uh, there literally are now hundreds of thousands of people living on the streets. Uh, is there something that you could do as president to address that problem? Homelessness is the problem, and we do have about 600,000 homeless people in this country. That is a symptom. It is not a cause. A high percentage of the homeless in America work full time. And there are thousands and thousands of people who are one paycheck, one eviction notice away, who do work full time themselves, who are one eviction notice away from being homeless. So we have to recognize here that the deeper problem is economic injustice. That's why I stand in my campaign for fundamental economic reform. That's why I stand for an economic bill of rights, for universal health care. One in four Americans live with medical debt. Look at all of the people who have college loan debt. Look at all of the people who have to work two and three jobs just to make it. So many people are skating on thin ice. So we can't talk about the homelessness problem without talking about the economic conditions that make people so vulnerable to this. And that's why I believe we need a massive infusion of economic hope and opportunity into the life of the average American. In the meantime, we, just as we have 600,000 homeless people, we also have 500,000 vacant homes, uh, places where with the kind of resources that are necessary, we could, we could house most of these people. But once again, what we need to remember, this is a symptom, this is not a cause. It's the symptom of a system in which policy after policy make it easier for those who already have a lot, which is a small portion of Americans, 20% of Americans are doing fine in, in America's economy, but we're on an island surrounded by a vast sea of economic despair. And, and that homelessness, just like the mental health crisis and so many other aspects of societal dysfunction, are a symptom of the fact that too many people are finding it too hard to hold on. And that's what we need to address. We need to address it on a level far greater than simply the alleviation of stress. We need fundamental economic reform. We can't just take incremental approach. This society and the despair, the epidemic of despair 